0: board game famous the number one board game podcast according to our mother my name is david and i'm joined as always by my host michael howdy howdy so michael it's been a while since we recorded a podcast it may not seem that way to the listeners be through the magic of pre-recording
1: we haven't even released our first episode yet
0: as of episode six episode one is unreleased i just want to it will get released i don't want this to be just two dudes Talking, recording, and keeping all the recordings to themselves.
1: It's gonna be like whenever you pull out your old family films. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I keep my camera tight and lean. I delete everything. because so like I know I'm not gonna show these to people, and I'm never gonna go back and look through these. Well, I know that I'm never gonna go back and look through them because I don't go back and look at them. And them. <laughs> <laughs> so you have plausible deniability about the amount of photos you have on your phone.
1: I have a number. <laughs>
0: So what I was leading up to with that, uh, talking about our time off on recording, I'd like to start, as always, with my favorite segment, What You have Been Playing? And I think you've played quite a few games in the last month.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm starting to see people now that uh, a good number of us are getting vaccinated. And I saw one of my good friends recently, and uh, it, was, uh, it was somebody in uh, their board game community birthday and so they had a big get together at one their, of their houses and we played board games for about 14 hours straight and uh, I, I definitely played a handful of board games there. Give me the highlights. We're gonna start with the most physics resisting board game in uh, Barrage which is a game about dams and I always say that because you are basically building dams from a high elevation up in the mountains down to the plains and you can build them up high and low and You're taking the water that collects behind the dams and you're sending it through power stations and getting energy from that. And then the most physics-defining thing about that, well, contradicting thing about that is that you can generate power by pumping water up the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) I I described that to one of my friends and he said, that doesn't make sense. And I told him, don't think about it. (laughs) But no, it's it's a worker placement game. I, yeah, is, if
0: I understand it, it's pretty cutthroat. Is that true?
1: It's extremely cutthroat. I got screwed. <laughs> I'd spent this entire turn building up a really tall dam to collect a bunch of water behind the dam. And then in the next round, this guy came in behind me <laughs> <laughs> and just built a big dam to block the water I was going to get.
0: Did you look at him and just say, damn?
1: <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I, should have. Uh, I played the classic game Santa Maria. I've
0: also played Isle of Cats, which was really good. That's one of the few polyomino-style games I have yet to play.
1: I really enjoyed it. I lost by one point. Did you say damn? <laughs> Isle of Cats? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I said a uh, a lot meaner things, because it was one of my very good board game friends, and we trash-talk each other all the time, <laughs> and we could say almost anything to each other. And I try tried, tried to keep it mostly PG around new people, but... <laughs> Whenever you're around a good friend, it's kind of hard not to talk fresh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Played Periodic. That's a, that's a Genius Games game. I really like their stuff.
1: Definitely from Europe, because it's not aluminum, it's aluminum.
0: I mean, it's a St. Louis-based company. That's kind of Europe. Is it
1: a St. Louis-based company?
0: Yeah, I know the designer. He he works locally. He's then super why you nice. Why put
1: aluminum on the periodic table <laughs>
0: instead of aluminum? I'll ask him. I'll get back to you on that.
1: Then I played Kohaku, which is a game about making a fish pond uh, with koi fish. And then I played Race for the Galaxy, that's a classic. And then I played Teotihuacan.
0: Is that the David Turchie design? Why do you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get you on my level, you know? Get good. <laughs>
1: if you're asking if it's uh, Danielle Tassini. Okay, it's a
0: different, different game I'm thinking of then.
1: Then I played uh, Red Rising and Flourish.
0: Oh, Flourish is the James Wilson design. He's the guy that designed Everdell. Ooh. did I, you? I would uh... say that
1: the artwork is very nice. The iconography is not as easy as I would like it to be. I definitely need to play it more to decide whether or not I like it because between each step, I would have to stop and ask people if they have questions about the cards that they just drew into their hand and ask them if the iconography made sense the way that they understood it.
0: So it's one of those games you need a few plays before you really understand how it goes.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that the iconography is worse or better than Race for the Galaxy, but it's kind of in the same vein.
0: Man, Race for the Galaxy is like learning a new language. Did you see my comic that I wrote about Race for the Galaxy? No, shameless, shameless plug for my comic. Go to BoardGameGeek. Yeah. Uh, look up full frontal board games on BoardGameGeek. Say filter on. <laughs>
1: So yeah, of all those board games that I played, I would say my top quick game has probably been Kohaku, just because it's nice and relaxing, easy, quick. They had the collector's edition, so the tiles were really nice. And then I think my favorite longer game was Barrage. I, I would definitely play that again and try not to get screwed over, but, you know, it happens.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: what have you been playing?
0: Well, uh, the game that I've played the most this, during this time has been Sleeping Gods. Ooh, I, I'm upset that I didn't get in on the Kickstarter. Didn't get the fancy metal coins. I didn't get any of the expansions through the Kickstarter. So I just got the retail version. And Ryan Lockett is the designer and the illustrator and the developer for Red Raven Games, and he produces essentially all his own games with the help of his wife and uh, his trusty staff. And uh, we set it up on our board game table, and we have not put that game we have not taken that game down. It's just been, it, it, takes, it takes up all, the entire table, and it takes up a ton of space, and it's just, we play it for an hour or two at a time, we pack it up, when we get time for another game, we, we, we undo our table, there it is, all set up for us, and we, we get back to work. It's a nice storytelling adventure game, where you are, it's set in the 1920s, you're on a steamer ship that gets transported to a strange world, And you try to awaken the gods that have been trapped in eternal slumber to try and get home, try and get Passage home. We're trying to collect all these items that are strewn around this giant map, and really just bumbling our way through fighting monsters and just enjoying the story along the way.
1: Is it a lot easier to follow the story as compared to other story campaign-ish legacy games?
0: I would say yes. So legacy games typically have a more linear story. Or it doesn't branch as much. This is more of open world story. So it doesn't tell you... I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this. Every time you encounter a new creature or a new race in this mythical world, it could be your first time encountering them. So it, uh, it always describes them to you. So you're, not, you're never lost. Ryan does as good a job as he can in the writing, trying to make sure you're on track. We've got a little bit of hint of the overarching story, because we were, about, we're about halfway through. I'm waiting to see if there's a some sort of twist, or or what the climax is going to look like. One of your party
1: for, members, it's a traitor all along.
0: Oh, maybe. That would be upsetting. So that's the game I've been mainly playing. I got a chance to get Scythe to the table, play it with Isaiah and neighbor Katie.
1: Isaiah's our brother. Our neighbor Katie is not our brother.
0: No, she is not. <laughs> uh, that was Isaiah's second time playing, and Katie's first time. Isaiah did really well, and he won. Ellen is you is really David's good at the game. Side. Do what? What you I said? David's bad at scythe. <laughs> Ellen is really good at scythe. She had a bad game and still came in second.
1: Oh no! <laughs>
0: oh no! So that was fun. Uh, another fun thing: I bought mom a copy of Trails. Because she loves parks, so I got her the, the companion game Trails. It's a simpler version of parks. You're still moving along a defined path, taking actions along the way. You don't block anybody. Once you get to the end of the trail, you just turn around and come back. And it's, it's an out-and-back hike, trying to collect as many many badges as you can. Unfortunately, in a four-player game, there's not enough components in the box. We ran out of badges so I posted a thread on that on BoardGameGeek, and Mom's been following it closely <laughs> uh, to the point where I commented on the thread and said, hi, Mom, and she texted me when she saw it. Pretty sure she
1: told me on, our, on a phone call that she's going to start an account that's going to be such and such
0: person's mom. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke I made to her. I was like, you, should start, you should start that account. <laughs> on top of that, I got a couple of old classics to the table, played Super Motherload which is a deck-building game about mining on Mars. I also got a chance to play Elizabeth Hargrave's Mariposas, which is her big-box game after Wingspan. And it's it's good. It's not quite as good as Wingspan. I found it enjoyable. And there's a couple other games that I've gotten to play since our time off, but that leads me to our next segment, which is... Game of oh, nope, 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 no. no, 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 I... no. <laughs> the road to the 100. <laughs> no, we're so, not... I'm so ready. <laughs> no, we're not snapping that. I'm keeping that in there. <laughs> <laughs> the road to the 100. <laughs> yeah, I got a chance to play a couple of games from the top 100, or at least the top 100 poster that I have. I got to play Arkham Horror, the card game, which I will talk more about in our segment, Brother Talk. And then I also got a chance to play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. That was in our local library system. waited around a couple of weeks to get it. We did a pretty good job. We only did one case... It's a lot of reading, so make sure that you've got like a couple of liters of water nearby because you're going to be speaking the entire time because it's all all story encounters. It's all newspaper clippings you're reading out loud. It's a good deduction game where you're trying to outthink Sherlock Holmes. And we did okay. We did okay. I don't think we actually scored it and compared it to Sherlock. We found out the right killer and we've solved the, uh, the side quest as well.
1: I think the only one that I've done from that top 100 was uh race for the galaxy which i mentioned in the previous segment
0: but i had already play- played that one it's not on my poster but i think barrage might have snuck into the top 100 as well i know it was for at least a little bit it might have dropped out
1: I i mean honestly i just need a copy of your poster
0: <laughs> i'll send you a picture i might need to recount but i think with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I think that puts me at exactly halfway.
1: Ooh, look at you. I, I, my name's David, and I play a lot of board games.
0: Wow, that sounds exactly like me.
1: <laughs> is that how you introduce yourself to uh, your wife's friends at parties? <laughs> yes.
0: All right, Michael, you want to do the intro to the next segment? All
1: right, the next segment is <laughs> Game of the Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And this Fortnite, we're going to be talking about one of my all time favorites, my most played game of all time. Let's talk about Dominion. Oh, what a
1: classic. What a classic,
0: y'all. It is the original deck builder designed by Donald X Vaccarino, or Donny X as I lovingly call him, put out by Rio Grande Games in 2008, won the Spiel de Yaras, started a genre. Really? Really a defining game. I do see a lot of hate for Dominion every now and then, because it's, it's got a boring theme. People describe it as too easy. But you know what? It was the first.
1: And I would say that people still love it a lot. Yes. I still kind of really love it.
0: Yes, I am one of those people that loves it. I have done several comics about Dominion. Another shameless plug. Full Frontal Board Games. Check it out. <laughs> I've done several comics about Dominion, just because it's so much a part of my gaming career. I can teach this game... In five minutes. Not so many times I've taught it. It was the first board game that kept me up past midnight. Not because it's so long, but because of, let's play it again. Again. Again.
1: (laughs) Was that uh, a game that got introduced to you
0: through college
1: or somewhere else?
0: It was right before college. It was out in Colorado when we worked out there in the summer. This was ten years ago. I've been playing board games for about ten years now. I was walking, walking through the lobby of the living quarters for the for the employees, and somebody waved me over. and said, like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna play a game with us?" And I'd, I'd played board games before, but typically those mass market style games. I was like, "Yeah, what is this? You wanna teach me?" And I've never looked back. Now, for the one thing I do want to say about Dominion is it needs expansions. Once you play a few times, you get the gist of it. Uh, that core box gives you a lot of variability, because you take ten kingdom cards, place them out in the middle, and those are the cards you can buy from. And I consider myself a deck builder purist. That is the style of deck builder that I like. You have a set number of cards that you can buy from. Now, there's another style of deck builders that have a trade row that you can purchase from. That it's like five or six different options that you can purchase from. And
1: Quiet Ascension
0: yeah clank ascension star realms hero realms and the pros of that is you can have a lot more variability in the cards that you can buy from because that trade row is always changing out but the cons and the trade-offs is that it sucks Strong opinions from David! (laughs) One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I was halfway through typing an essay online that said, that was titled Strong Opinions About Deck Builders, and that was basically my thesis.
1: (laughs) You know, this is the third uh, reason why you wanted to start this podcast you've given so far. During
0: the recording. During this recording, or just previous during
1: multiple recordings.
0: (laughs) Well, it's not going to be the last (laughs) one.
1: So for me, I think, like you, Dominion was a big gateway into board gaming. You know, you got games like Catan, Pandemic, like that. But like you said, playing Dominion over and over and over again. I can remember playing Dominion with you, Ian, our older brother, and other people. And just vi- uh, vivid memories of him playing the card Montebank And just everyone yelling curses and coppers for everyone. <laughs> Getting really into it and, you know, uh, yelling at each other and cursing at each other saying, I was like, oh, you're trying to witch me? I got a emote. <laughs> and, like pulling that blue card from your hand and shoving it in their face. It's one of those games that, you know, I played board games growing up, but the the memories of all these different experiences of sitting around, getting really into the combos that can be created by a deck builder. And that's that's one of the things is deck builders are designed to create fun moments. Yeah. you try to create a moment that's just like really fun for you really fun for everyone really frustrating like playing masquerade where you just start pass cards and then the card that you get just you know causes someone to groan or someone just builds a draw engine and they just like oh play that card draw one two actions uh draw three cards i got a bunch of more cards oh i'm gonna play this card and then i'm gonna play this card and i'm gonna play this card and then all of a sudden they have no deck and they've got all the rest of their cards in their hands it's like Oh, and I only got three copper to buy a freaking <laughs>
0: little village. So Dominion's also been around for long enough. So I was talking about how you need extra expansions because yeah. cards do similar things within within a single set. So Correct. sure, you're only picking two. You're, you're you're only picking ten cards to form the cards that you could purchase from. But in one box, a lot of them might do similar things. So you need to get. Expansions for your game. Fortunately, you're in luck. Dominion has what 13 expansions at this point? Super affordable. (laughs) Is that sarcasm?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It has 13 expansions at this point, but you can uh you can skip a couple of those. If you want to know which expansions you can skip, please email us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. Or ask us on this Discord. Or ask us on this Discord. So Dominion's been around for a really long time and one thing that it hasn't really had and it would really thrive from is a stable online platform. However, a new app is in the works for Dominion and I'm really excited about it. I actually, I'm actually a play tester for it. It's been a lot of fun getting back into it. I play games at work for lunch. I haven't had a chance to play that many lunch games considering most of us are either work from home or still taking some precautions. So I haven't had a chance to play Dominion at work in a year and a half or so. So it was nice downloading this app. It was like meeting an old friend, you know, taking it through the motions. When does the app come out? You may be able to download it now, actually. I think version one is released, but I'm still doing beta testing for some of the expansions.
1: Oh, very nice. So everyone go and check out the app if that's your thing.
0: Yeah, the base set's free. You can learn if it's uh, for you and then uh, realize how quickly you need to buy an expansion.
1: (laughs) Base set's good. Game's a lot better with the expansions.
0: Oh, yeah. It's time to move on to our next section of Brother Talk. This is the part of the show where we like to talk about something specific and maybe a little more structured. Maybe. If you're lucky. If you're good. Have you been a good boy? Or girl? Or non-binary? All inclusive. This week on Brother Talk, we're talking about used games. I'm a thrifty shopper. I like to buy used games. I don't like to pay full price for my stuff. I'm not uh, I'm not brand loyal to a company. I don't want to necessarily go... Well, I do like to frequent my friendly local board game store. If I can get a game used and cheap, I'll definitely do that. I am constantly looking at the auctions online. I check Craigslist. There was one day I went to the thrift store in the St. Louis area, and they weren't even used games. They were new, in-shrink, Passport Studio board games that were lining the shelves. I went nuts. They were $2 a piece. What'd you get? I bought a game called Fool's Gold, which is a very underrated game. You can probably find that cheap quite a few places. Uh, a game called Kingsport Festival, which is a re-implementation of Kingsburg. That's a, That's a pretty good game. Those are the two that I remember. <laughs> I've also purchased quite a few... Uh, quite. I have purchased quite a few games on, on Craigslist or on an auction. I just got Game of Thrones, the board games, for cheap.
1: And who are you going to convince to play that?
0: Oh, my TI4 group. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that works. That yeah. Works. I know you're into games that are four to six hours long. <laughs>
1: games that you might end up hating each other at the end of it. <laughs> Cutthroat games like Game of Thrones, you definitely need to explain the kinds of game it's going to be ahead of time <laughs> so people don't get hurt if they don't things go don't go their way.
0: But uh, I wanted to talk about used games cuz I'm selling a good chunk of my collection. I moved in January And as part of that moving process, I gave Ellen one of my board game shelves to use in the craft room. So she's got it nice and organized with all her fabrics that she quilts with. Color coordinated. Looks gorgeous. But uh, getting rid of a whole shelf, I had to downsize by about a third. I started with Craigslist. Now I just finished up an auction this last week. And I've got boxes to ship out my used games. I'm ready to get back to... uh, A nice shell size.
1: So what would you say that the uh, the pros and cons are of buying used
0: games? So, for used games, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You have to go buy the... You have to trust the seller, really. The local board game store used to hold an auction every six months for board games. And I would sell some of my games there, and then I would typically end up buying more. (laughs) <laughs> then I would sell, and it was it's always a gamble. You can take a look at the boxes, and I think there's a little bit of time to go up and inspect the components. But that's only if you're at a physical auction like that. Um, I've ordered a couple of games online, and you just have to you have to trust the seller and just hope it ships to you in time.
1: Have you ever been burned?
0: I have actually been incredibly fortunate multiple times to the point where it's I would always encourage people to buy used games because I'm not jaded at all. I've purchased. Lewis and Clark, the companion game to that, Discoveries, Lewis and Clark Discoveries, Race for the Galaxy. I bought all of those in a board game auction, pretty much sight unseen, for $5 a piece. And they all only had their shrink wrap removed. No punched pieces, no no card decks done. So I've really, really been fortunate. I also, when I bought Game of Thrones, the guy mentioned that the box was pretty beat up, but that the components were fine, and... I uh, he, he was an honest seller, gave him a good review, so I he accurately described what I was getting. Have, have you have nice. you purchased any used games before?
1: No, I, you know I've talked about it on this podcast before that people I play with have a much larger collection than I do, and you know I try not to buy board games whenever I know that people of my my board game group has plenty of games that people want to get to table, so. Um, you know, I, I'm more of the person who buys food and buys beer and that kind of thing to provide at the table. So I don't typically buy board games. Um,
0: Do you think you would be more likely to board, buy a used board game? Because board games are a lot like cars. As soon as they're open, they lose their value. Unless unless you luck out in getting, a, uh, getting hold of a copy that immediately becomes in low supply and... You can start a bidding war for it.
1: You know, there's always these games that I've wanted to play. And uh, whenever I go to board game conferences, a lot of them have like a, a seller time or a seller section where people bring their games in to sell. I'm always on the lookout for, you know, a particular game that I know that our group doesn't have that I might enjoy that, you know, that may, that you and I have played or something that I've been wanting to play in the I keep an eye on that. So it's not like I haven't tried. It's just I don't actively look on a consistent basis.
0: I would say another, I don't know if it's a pro per se, but there's such thing as a grail game. That's what you're describing basically is mm-hmm. that game that you want to get. You don't know if you can get your hands on it anywhere else. It pops up from this one seller, so you got to buy it. Those are typically used games because they've been loved by somebody else before.
1: If you want to get a copy of Russian Railroads, you're going to have to buy a used.
0: Yeah, one of the games that I need to play for the top one hundred is Battlestar Galactica. There's, I don't know if there's any new copies of that left anywhere. I played it. I I know you have. I I think I'm gonna count Unfathomable, uh, which is Fantasy Flight Games is re, re is re-releasing Battlestar Galactica as Unfathomable with a new theme.
1: Oh, because they no longer have the rights.
0: They no longer have the license for it, but they've got the design.
1: As long as it's mechanically the same, then that's fine.
0: There might be some tweaks and a little bit of streamlining, but uh, until I find a friend who has it in their collection, I might count on Come out here. We'll play with my group. Yeah, I'm trying to plan a trip out there at some point.
1: You've been saying that for three years.
0: I have a wife, and we spend our vacation days. (laughs) I guess I like used games a lot because I am the person who's always buying the games. You can get them for cheap, or used games is typically how games are leaving my collection. Games are meant Uh, to be played. If I'm no longer playing them, I want somebody to.
1: I tell a lot of the people in my group about your former system, you know, minus selling off a third of your collection, your former system of one game in, one game out, Mm -hmm. or you were downsizing. And some of them have come back with a similar uh, retort of it should be one game in, two games out at this point.
0: For them. And so
1: (laughs) I'm trying to convince some friends, you know, I've been over to their house over the years and there's games that haven't moved in three years just to consider and they're not even those like blockbuster games that you only get out every once in a while it's mm-hmm. just like maybe consider
0: in this last auction i sold my second most played game I haven't played it in over a year but i used to play it all the time it just it's just been sitting on the shelf and it's like somebody else can get some love out of this and you know what i what i can get 10 bucks out of this you you gonna tell us what it is you know, san juan second edition I specify second edition because it's, it's got an expansion right in the box. It's real nice. Ooh. So I'm very, I'm very pro used games. That lull in the conversation and that sound of beating hearts can only mean one thing, Michael. It's time for another board game missed connection. And this is the story of a lovely lady. I don't know how many girls she was bringing up, or probably already had brought up, as she was, ai don't want to say elderly lady, because she was more like mom's age, and there's a chance mom listens to this podcast. (laughs) There is a chance. (laughs) She was, she was about, I would say, middle-aged. That's, that's appropriate, right? I was at an event teaching Wingspan. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to the Audubon Society, which is a nature a uh, nature center esque kind of place that uh, that focuses on birds in St. Louis. And since Stonemeyer Games is a St. Louis based company, he hosted an event where you would teach this board game about birds to the members of the Audubon Society. Well unfortunately this got leaked out to the board game community of St. Louis St. Louis, which is pretty large, and almost all board gamers showed up to this event. But at my table, there was one member of the Audubon Society One lovely bird watcher who was there because she loved birds. And I taught her how to play Wingspan. And it is a fairly inviting game. It is not the first board game I would ever teach to anybody, I don't believe. As as it is a little more complicated than uh, your typical entry-level games. But she she was handling it pretty fine. And she started taking the lay eggs action to put eggs on top of her birds. And I was looking at this through the board game lens. I wanted her to take efficient action after efficient action. And she had upgraded her lay eggs action. So she was laying four, five eggs at a time. But all of her birds were full. All of the birds' nests were full. So I stopped and I was like, you may want to consider playing another bird before you take a lay eggs action. You can efficiently take the lay eggs action and not lose any points for uh, missing out on a couple of eggs. All you have to do is take the take the play bird action, and you'll be able to hold more eggs. And she looked at me and she said, "No, thank you. I want each bird to be happy before I put a new bird on the board. And I think about that every day of my life." <laughs> at the end of the game, we tallied up the score, and she had about 40 eggs, and she ended up winning the game because all she was doing was play a bird. She ended up playing birds that got her food on other people's turns, which let her play more birds. Play a bird, lay eggs. Play a bird, lay eggs. Play a bird, lay eggs. And she ended up winning. And I think about this woman all the time. And that is my only strategy in Wingspan now. Make your birds happy. You just want your birds
1: to be happy.
0: And I hope that she got a copy of that game. And I wish that we could get together and play it again. But alas, it's just another board gaming missed connection.
1: What a nice story.
0: She was really sweet. No, thank you. I want my birds to be happy.
1: <laughs> I think that'll, uh, that'll bring us to mail time. Because you mentioned something in that story about what I, one of our questions from one of our listeners. So what game would you introduce board gamers to? Say that you have someone new to the hobby. What game do you use as an introduction?
0: Hmm it's typically dominion it it honestly is typically dominion since it was my gateway game i think this could be everybody's gateway game like i said earlier i can teach the rules in about five minutes i've got them down pat we're often playing incredibly quickly i've also started playing calico the game about quilts and kittens with a lot of first-time gamers that's uh that's good and enjoyable trying to think of what other games i use as gateway games Use Calico as an introduction game, even though it's pretty cutthroat. It can be pretty cutthroat. I just don't play with cutthroat players. (laughs) That's fair. Another game that I've been using as an introduction game is Canvas. That's a Kickstarter game about layering these translucent cards. The top part of the card, the majority of the card has artwork on it. And when you layer these cards together, you've got this gorgeous picture on your card that you slide into a sleeve that acts as the frame for the painting. And it's incredibly inviting. It's a really unique game. So most people will not have played a game like this before. So I like to use that as, a, as an introductory game. My favorite part about this one is the art really doesn't matter at all. It's all the scoring tokens down below, but you can get distracted in this game by the, the gorgeous art on the card. And it has my absolute favorite tiebreaker rule in any board game, because the art on the cards doesn't matter unless you're in a tie, because the uninterested parties decide who the winner is based on their favorite works of art that was created.
1: And sometimes you just need something uh, fun and pretty as a good introduction, because there's There's a lot of board games that don't have great artwork.
0: Yeah, and that's typically the style of game I prefer, but fun and pretty definitely helps, and Calico and Canvas both have that in spades. Dominion, not so much. That's something we glossed over during Brother Talk. Dominion's art's a little ugly, and it doesn't match from set to set, but uh, it doesn't bother me because it's such a great game.
1: I think uh, the board games that I typically use to introduce people, you know, depends on the environment. I think classic board games that i like to use is you know your dominion your ticket to ride and even splendor uh those are good options uh i mean other options you know you got resistance or avalon i do think that head and roll games are are a good introduction that's to get, uh around to play more more games and then and then your lighter pretty games i think Having played Isle of Cats, that would be a good introduction game. I'd even I'm... Everdell to a first. Really? I'd even de- yeah, I'd really teach Everdell to somebody.
0: This upcoming week, I'm actually going to try and use a game called Herbaceous, which is a light drafting game about getting herbs in, into a garden, and Cottage Garden, which is another easy tile-laying game about playing these tiles out. I'll let you know how that goes, because I'm teaching these to Ellen's Garden Club, which is, I think, 65 and older, except for Ellen.
1: <laughs> they might be sharper than
0: you, David. They might be. I don't know how much bridge these ladies play. Trick-winning games are always classic. You know, I, I thought that. I tried the crew with, uh, with Ellen's grandma, and she just didn't like it. And she plays bridge all the time. I thought, I thought that would have been a winner.
1: Maybe some uh, smaller games like Silver and Gold would be a good introduction game. Mm-hmm. I played that over the 4th of July weekend with some of my uh, friends' kids, and they really enjoyed that. Sometimes cooperative games are a great way to start. You know, Pandemic is, was a pretty good introduction game. Mm-hmm. Uh, cooperative games can be pretty straightforward. You have special role with a special ability, which makes you feel like you're not exactly everybody else, but everyone has the same basic
0: actions. And because it's cooperative, you don't feel like... Mm-hmm. cheating if you're asking for help
1: yep so you feel like you understand what everybody can do and what you can do but you still feel special because you can do something better than everyone else so mm-hmm. i think cooperative games like that are really good
0: it's a very good point as we draw to a close i have to wonder do the brothers murph think they're too good for us they haven't replied to a single one of our messages
1: this has nothing to do with the fact that we haven't released an episode yet. <laughs>
0: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Maybe by this time, next fortnight, next Fortnite. <laughs> we'll have gathered enough of an audience to make a splash. <laughs> but with that, it is now time for us to say goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, you can always find us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. That's boardgamefamous at gmail.com. Please don't find us.